Kia, you know me, okay? Mm-hmm. And you know that my social media platform of choice currently is TikTok. Yes. But I feel like you're a strong Instagram user, too. I have a good time on social media. I really like it. I feel like you learn so much about mm-hmm. different parts of the world. And TikTok is a really great place for that. Before, I was like, yeah, Instagram is great. Like, I'd search hashtags. <laughs> what are folks doing? Yeah. <laughs> In Budapest right now. Hashtag Budapest. What's going on? You know? (laughs) And TikTok, because of how they set up their For You page, I mean, it's all just coming to me in a flood, and I love it. You're a big Twitterer. Yes, I'm lurking on Twitter. Just recently, I was following the phishing scandal. There was this big competition. They had won like $300,000. These people were cheating. They were stuffing fillets of fish, wrapping it around lead weights to skew the results so it seemed like they had caught these heavy fish. Now, I saw that a couple of days ago. Just, I guess last night I saw it on the New York Times and I was mm. like, late. I already saw that on Twitter. <laughs> okay? I already saw it on Twitter days ago. Yep. It feels like social media is what everybody's using to get their news, to get their entertainment, and to stay yes. connected. So it made us very curious about mm-hmm. how social media might be impacting how we interact with each other. And how we interact with ourselves. 100%. If you didn't have dial-up and listen to that little screeching noise or the AOL man on the disc, we're not living the same life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Titi. And I'm Zakia. And from Spotify, this is Dope Labs. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Dope Labs, a weekly podcast that mixes hardcore science, pop culture, and a healthy dose of friendship. This week, we're talking all about social media. Specifically, we really wanted to know more about the impacts of social media on our well-being, mental health, attention span, and how we communicate with one another. Let's get into the recitation. What do we know? Well, what I feel like I know is that social media is everywhere. It's a part of our everyday lives. Professors are using it as a part of their course curriculum. It's a part of our work. Social media is permeating everything. And so it also feels like a primary way that we communicate with one another all over the world. 
It feels like social media has gone through some rapid changes, too. So it feels like it's gone from just being uh, a place where you share pictures of yourself to a way to interact with brands, service providers. I mean, are you alive if you're not on social media? Sometimes it feels like that's what society is saying. It's so true. I mean, if somebody were to tell me that they don't have a lick of social media, I'm like... Are you on the run? <laughs> like, are the feds <laughs> after you? <laughs> what is going on? How do you know How do you know anything without social media? And you and I, we come from a generation that did not have social media and then had social media. And I yes. remember making my first Facebook account when I was about to start college because, remember, mm. at that point, Facebook was only for folks who had a college email address. Yes. And it was still so new at the time. Mm-hmm. And so now when you think of today where our grandmas and grandpas and our little cousins all have social media, dogs <laughs> have social media. Yes. We're living in a different time. So we're moving around this world very differently because of it. Yes, that's so true. And so we have quite a few questions, right, about this. If we're moving differently, how different? What do we want to know, TT? I want to know more about how social media is impacting us. I see a lot of stuff in the news about how social media is impacting us. But I want to know, like, for real, for real, how are we changing? Like, is it actually affecting our attention span and our relationships with people and how we communicate and our mental health? And do different platforms affect us differently? Is it, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other? Is TikTok giving me the same bad vibes as Facebook? I don't want to believe that. (laughs) I want to believe that TikTok will save the world. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, let's jump into the dissection. Our guest for today's lab is Dr. Jeff Hancock. My name is Jeff Hancock. I'm the founding director of the Stanford Social Media Lab and a professor here in the communication department. The Stanford Social Media Lab studies three main areas. One is misinformation. The other is the effects of social media on psychological well-being. And the final area they study is AI and communication. So that's like those smart replies on Gmail, where it's basically artificial intelligence posing as a human. We talk about social media all the time on this show. And there's a lot to unpack. According to Dr. Hancock, social media is a broader category that goes beyond platforms like Facebook and Twitter. It's really any media we use to be social. So that includes things like Zoom, texting, and even email. The first video conference was 1967 in France, Microtel. And yet it took a pandemic to get us all to really be using it on the regular. Every time there's a new technology, People are really worried about it. Go back to the radio, right? That was going to cause us all to just be hermits in our house and never talk to people again. And it was going to kill the newspaper. And then there were comic books. Comic books were going to kill kids' brains and get them addicted. And then there was TV, same thing. And we hear the same kinds of things with social media. Social media is is a lot different than those. Right. Think about television and radio and newspapers. All of those platforms have professionals who create and produce content. Now, a lot of social media content is created by professionals, but a lot of social media is more DIY. There aren't the same barriers when it comes to posting and sharing. Yeah. Anyone can publish anything to anywhere. We're all content creators and editors. This is a good thing, and it can sometimes be a bad thing. 
And even though social media can sometimes feel really bad or really good, Dr. Hancock says it's not so black and white. One of his graduate students, Angela Lee, is studying the importance of mindsets when it comes to using social media. It's about how you view the way something works for you. The most famous example is education. You can think of like your intelligence as like a muscle and you can grow it. And you can think of it as like something that you're given and you have a fixed amount of intelligence. And that's called a fixed mindset. So Angela took that idea and applied it to social media. And it turns out that people have really strong mindsets. She's identified two kind of components to social media mindsets. One is agency. Do you feel like you're in charge of your social media and you use it to do things for you and your world? Or is it in charge of you and you're kind of out of control? I'm on social media whenever I have free time. I'm scrolling before I go to sleep, when I wake up, before I get out of the bed. The first thing I do is open up my phone and start scrolling. So I'm not a mindless scroller, but I am a person who automatically opens my phone and <laughs> checks if I have these alerts, you know, those little red notification bubbles on the icons. I'm going uh -huh. to clear those. I'm automatically opening and checking those, even if I don't really care. Mm. My mind is just like, clear those bubbles. And so... <laughs> One of the things I've had to do to combat that is to turn notifications off. Mm. And it reminds me of that video we did. Do you remember the Just Look Up video with Thrive and Bose? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's such a good point. And in that video, we learned that the average person checks their phone 52 times a day. Now, that was 2019. So I don't even know what it is now. Right. Pandemic, looking at your phone. Oof, I don't know. I feel like I'm on my phone a lot more now. At first, when I heard that number, I was very, very surprised. But then I started to really think about how much time I spend on my phone. And I was like, wow, that's definitely me. And if I have agency, on the other hand, I'm telling my social media what I want it to do. So I'm saying, OK, I'm only going to be on Instagram for 30 minutes. And after that, I'm moving on. Or I'm coming to Twitter to find this very specific thing and don't show me anything else that you think I might want to see. If you have agency, you say, I don't want to see those suggested posts. I just want to see what I want to see. That is a very healthy approach, right? It means that you're using it to do what you want to do in the world. And it, it's sort of forwarding your goals and addressing your needs. People that feel like it's out of their control, they are suffering. They tend to report higher anxiety, higher depression more lonely. And it kind of sucks, right? They're locked into this thing where I don't feel like I'm in control. I feel like this thing, social media is bad, yet I have to use it. Most people have to use it just to live their lives. So when they use it, it makes them feel bad about themselves. And that leads us to the second component of Angela Lee's mindset study, which is whether you perceive social media as positive or negative. It helps you, it you know, helps with communication and connection, and being informed. Or is it overall bad? Is it negative for you? It like undermines your health, etc. Dr. Hancock says this mindset approach is powerful and that we should encourage people, especially young folks, to embrace this more in-control perspective on social media. That does two things. One, it pushes back against this idea of like, there's these social media companies and they are doing stuff to you and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just a passive consumer and they're like pointing the social media advertising gun at you. 
I really hate that. It really takes away my power. It takes away my agency. And also it takes away my responsibility. So if I'm a jerk and I say cyberbully or I do mean stuff online, that's not my fault. That's like this social media fault. It's Mark Zuckerberg's fault. So I think it does bring back that sense of like, well, no, I'm in charge of the way I'm going to behave with this. Yes. I think some people are like, oh, they're on social media. They can't help it. Yes, they can. They still have to press post. Now, I understand the pressures of social media can be high, but I feel like, all right, let's have some accountability in this equation. Yeah. The Internet is still a part of our culture. And what we're posting is absolutely adding to the conversation. And so we can't just say, oh, you know, it's just social media. It doesn't matter. It matters. And I think one of the things that continuously blows my mind is just how huge the social media community is. Usually it's when I find a profile and it has like 1.5 million followers or some huge number like that. And I don't have a single shared contact with that account. Mm. Does that ever happen to you? Yes. And it's always so shocking to me. Yes. It's like this is a whole separate, undisturbed part of the Internet that I don't even know about. The six degrees of separation, it's a lie. Okay. (laughs) The other day I was on Twitter and there was this thread and this lady was like, I want to show y'all this new yarn. And there were so many comments and people were just excited, full of excitement. And I was like, this is what I would expect for like an exclusive sneaker drop or a new game, (laughs) you know, NBA game Mm -hmm. for the PlayStation or Xbox or something. Like Mm -hmm. this is this vibrant community. And I think we forget that there are so many users on these different platforms. Yes, it always blows my mind because we talked about social bubbles in our Science Now episode where you can have that confirmation bias because everybody you know is usually interested in a lot of similar things. And what you just explained highlights that where as soon as you get outside of that bubble, there are people who have way different interests than you. (laughs) Even when we're talking about things like memes and things that are going viral, it's everywhere. And I remember just recently this happened to me where, you know, over the last few weeks, I was talking to somebody and I said, it's corn, (laughs) a big lump of knobs. It has a juice. It has a juice. And then it's the most beautiful thing. And they were like, what are you talking about? No. And I was like, you don't know Tariq? AKA the corn kid? Nah, you're on the dark Mm -mm. web because Mm -mm. I can't believe there is a single person on this planet who doesn't know Tariq. Not if they're using the internet. I feel like he was everywhere. He was everywhere. Everywhere. But that just goes to show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Another undisturbed side of the web for someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We love you, Tariq. More blessings. More life for you. And so just to help us wrap our arms around the big World Wide Web. Right. Let's think about how many users are on these platforms, okay? Mm -hmm. A big stepper is YouTube. Starting with the big top. (laughs) (laughs) YouTube has 2.2 billion monthly active users. That's every 30 days. 2.2. Billion with a B. The B stands for billions. Yeah. (laughs) Facebook is at 2.9 billion users. WhatsApp? WhatsApp, if you have foreign parents, WhatsApp has been the thing for the last few years. And it has 2 billion as well. WhatsApp is huge outside the country. Yes. Everybody's using WhatsApp. 
Instagram has 2 billion. The smaller ones are like Pinterest, Reddit, even Skype. You remember when everybody had Skype? Skype really fumbled the bag and Zoom took over. But you have to think about like social media is everywhere. And it's important to remember that social media is not a monolith. Dr. Hancock says that the type of platform matters. Not all platforms are created equal. There's Be Real, which is getting a lot of attention, emphasizing authenticity and reducing the load of having to present an awesome self all the time. And then you can get outside of that. You go into things like Zoom are much more about like interacting with another person in depth. Yes, every app is giving something different, okay? You can't show up on Instagram like you show up on Zoom, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We would be fired. (laughs) Oh, boy. Dr. Hancock told us about a study from the social media lab about people's experience with TikTok's algorithm. And their sense of the algorithm was that they were like these different sides of TikTok. And when they looked through the algorithm, it was like looking through a crystal, they could kind of see themselves reflected back. And they could see through it these other communities that they weren't going to talk to the people. TikTok is not very social. It's very much about like following people but not about talking to people in the way that the Facebook newsfeed was designed or even Instagram. And so she kind of came up with this idea of, you know, the people think of the TikTok algorithm as like a crystal that can reflect back and show us different dimensions of ourselves. What Dr. Hancock just said speaks to me because I'm a big TikTok user. You know that, Zakia. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I feel about TikTok. My For You page is for me. It's folks dancing, babies cussing, saying silly things, (laughs) dogs being ridiculous, and food concoctions. And when I look at someone else's TikTok, it looks very, very different. Mm. I'm like, why is there so many carpet cleaning videos on your For You page? That felt like shade, but I want you to know that I am watching. (laughs) Those people cleaning those rugs and detailing cars and vacuuming and putting those little lines with the vacuum. I like that. It's relaxing. (laughs) And I think, like, maybe what you see on your For You page for TikTok, because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the type of video content there, might be Mm -hmm. different than what's on your For You page for Instagram. Absolutely. When we ask people about Instagram, they have a very different view of that, right? That Instagram is a little bit more of a broadcast model that you then interact with people that you know or want to know. And getting, you know, those metrics are important. And that's very different from the newsfeed, which, frankly, anybody here... A young person here at Stanford is like, I don't do it except to communicate with family. Yeah. Facebook is a no for me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. And it's been a no for me since like, I don't know, off and on. I feel like when I left college, I used it a little bit when I was in grad school. But then I was like, all right, I got to get out of here. It's getting wild. I feel like I'm kind of the same way as you are, Zakia. I used to use Facebook like back in the day, but I don't really use it anymore. It just feels like Facebook is a really dark place where a lot of really unproductive conversations are happening. And I'm just not about that life. You know something I do use a lot? I used to talk more on it, but now I'm mostly lurking. Twitter. Twitter is a very different platform. I love it myself, but it turns out like, although so much research is done on Twitter, so much, and a lot of it makes a lot of big headlines, but like no one uses Twitter. (laughs) Like We just analyze some data and it's like a tiny percentage of the U.S., Mostly like journalists, political folks. 
I find out everything on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I can remember the first time I realized Twitter was super powerful as a primary news source. And that was with Ferguson. When Ferguson was happening, I first saw that on Twitter. It was not on the news at the time. It mm. was live streams from DeRay McKesson and Janetta Elzey. I think those are the two people that I was following, figuring out what was happening on the ground mm-hmm. in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And most recently, when Elon Musk was talking about, OK, yes, he wants to buy Twitter again. I mm-hmm. saw it on Twitter before I got the alert from The New York Times. It's wild. It happens so fast. It really does. And Twitter's keeping up. That little thing is refreshing. Those tweets are scrolling. (laughs) Twitter is keeping up. And it's not like Instagram where it's like, oh, we're going to show you what we think you want to see. It's like, no, you can actually look chronologically. So when Mm -hmm. stuff happens and it refreshes, it is at the top of your timeline. I love it. You send me a lot of Twitter threads that I feel like are always so helpful. But then every time I get on Twitter, I feel like I am not following the right people because I don't see what you're seeing. You know, TT, I wonder if platforms are like horoscopes. Mm. You know, like maybe the platform you like says something about what you want to get from the Internet. Mm. I feel like that's a fair point. What does it mean about people on Discord (laughs) or Reddit? Ooh, Reddit. I'm scared of Reddit people. (laughs) Me too. Very scared. That feels one step away from the dark web. (laughs) I don't know what people are trying to get, but Reddit feels very close. Yeah, and there's a lot of other social media platforms out there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many. I know Amanda Seals, she made her own kind of like social media platform for the people who are fans of her to go on there to consume more of her content. Lovey Ajayi did the same thing. Mm-hmm. But all this talk about social media makes me curious about what's y'all's favorite platform. So if you look in the app right now, you should see a poll and we're asking what your favorite social media platform is. My favorite platform is Twitter. TT already spilled the beans on that. <laughs> but sometimes you can find me on Instagram too. TT, what's yours? Mine is TikTok. We know that. I've already snitched on myself a few times during this lap. <laughs> I always say TikTok is the happiest place on earth and that's where I'm going to (laughs) be. And what I like about TikTok is that I don't feel pressure to post content. I just scroll and I'm there for a good time, for some laughs, for some, oh my goodness, I had no idea, mind blown and things like that. I think people undervalue that, right? Like, oh, people are just wasting their time on social media. They're looking at like dogs dancing, cat videos, which I agree, I totally love. And I say, like, screw you. Like, nobody says, hey, you just wasted hours watching a football game. But, like, that's just entertainment. That's just having fun. It's being with people. It's enjoying yourself. And I think we sort of, like, say, well, people should be doing stuff. Social media is distracting. It's useless. And it's like, well, what is watching a hockey game or going to the movies? It's about entertainment. And if you can use a technology like TikTok to actually entertain yourself and that's working for you, then what's the problem? Yeah, I think it's a really great point. I think that folks, you know, assign dignity to the things that they enjoy doing. So some people might say something like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so plays video games. They're too old for that. Mm -hmm. And I say, just because you don't like video games doesn't mean that somebody else shouldn't like video games. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same thing goes with social media. Some people are like, oh, TikTok is ridiculous. It's so stupid and all this stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, sure. To you, it's like that. A lot of people are having a good time. And at one point, 
Instagram was the new social media platform on the scene. And everybody thought that was ridiculous because we were so used to Facebook and Twitter where it was just text. They're like, oh, just a picture? That's ridiculous. And so I just feel like everybody should just leave everybody alone. Whatever you like, I love. You like it, I love it. But assigning dignity to certain things and saying other things are ridiculous, I don't think that's fair because who are we to say what folks should be entertained by? Mm -hmm. Like sports. I'm not really into sports. But if you like it, go do you. I'm going to be over here scrolling on TikTok, watching this dog roll its eyes at its owner. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how social media is affecting our attention span, the truth about misinformation, and what's next on the social media horizon. We're back, and we only have two more labs left in this semester. Can you believe it? I know I can't. Next week, we begin our lab finale. So don't forget, if you haven't done it yet, give us a call. Let us know what your favorite lab was, and let us know what's happening right now that you might want to hear about. Call us at 202-567-7028. Okay, let's get back to the lab. We talked about just how ubiquitous social media use is. It's everywhere. And we know a lot of people are getting their news on social media, too. So we wanted to know more about misinformation and how big of a problem it really is. Misinformation is a really small amount of our diet for most people most of the time. I've got the two of you to do an exercise that we did in class. Get people to spend 10 minutes going through whatever their favorite social feed is. And I ask them to identify any misinformation that they can. And pretty much the answer is nobody sees any. And now we've done these large empirical studies with two other students of mine, Ross Dahlke and Ryan Moore. And they find that for most people, they never get exposed to misinformation. It's very rare. But unfortunately, there's a few people that get exposed a ton. And those dudes are the ones that are showing up on January 6th. Those are the people that believe that like the election was fraudulent. Dr. Hancock says that misinformation isn't a huge concern for most social media users, but it does exist, and it's targeted at specific users. Unfortunately, right now, it's a lot of older adults. It's a lot of people that are concerned about health. It's a lot of lonely people that are doing online dating. Misinformation folks are not just doing it willy-nilly. They're trying to either make money or persuade people, and the money one is much more common. I mean, I hear that. I understand the money and targeting people, but I feel like some people are doing it for free. Maybe they don't mean to do misinformation, but some people might be doing it for free. And maybe it's also coming from people just reading like headlines about stuff and not reading the full article. Mm. And that feels like it's because, you know, maybe we don't have the attention span we used to have, or maybe we just are are not up for seeing things through to the end anymore. Right. Everybody just posting headlines and not doing their due diligence. And we saw in the pandemic that that definitely led to a lot of misinformation spread. And you know how, like I always say, if somebody puts a quote next to Denzel Washington, people are going to retweet, reshare that quote. And it's like, he didn't even say that. So is attention span an issue? 
It's a really important question. There are studies that show those kinds of things. But the problem is, is there are also studies that show the opposite, right? And then there are other studies that show there's no relationship. Dr. Hancock says that we need more research that takes place over decades in order for us to track attention span over time. So that's probably why we see so many conflicting perspectives and studies about whether attention span is good or bad or whatever. Like, we don't know enough. These platforms haven't been around long enough to definitively say. However, Dr. Hancock says it is likely that our attention spans are changing, but that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's just different. It's pretty clear that our attention is likely to change, and it's pretty clear that our memory is likely to change just from a theoretical point of view. So the idea there is, as we can use new tools to do things, our brain adapts to those. And so I no longer memorize multi-hundred line poems like the ancient Greeks did. And that's okay in my life. And there is research that showed that people, when they knew they would be able to find it online, they ended up remembering a little bit less, but they were really thoughtful about like knowing how to go out and get it. And so same thing with attention. Right now, if you try to read in the same way that say monks in the 16th century would read, we would find it really difficult. I have this image from the 16th century of a wheel in which a monk would books onto this wheel and he could kind of rotate it around. And it was a way that these monks could deal with the absolute insane information overload that was happening in the Renaissance where there was like a book being produced every like week or month or so. It was absolutely crazy. Imagine that same monk having access to Google. It would blow his mind. (laughs) Mm, I wonder how people felt about talk radio when it first showed up on the scene. I remember as a kid thinking C-SPAN was the wildest thing ever. I was like, who can watch people just talking nonstop like this? According to Dr. Hancock, ideas about misinformation overload are really common anytime there are advancements in technology and our brains and media environment adapt to one another. What young people hear now is like, this thing could be bad for you sometimes, therefore you shouldn't do it because it's wrecking you. We don't say to people like, don't drive because there are people texting out there. So I think if we take more of that adaptive mindset that we can learn how to do this, that we can change, I think that'd be really valuable. I have a feeling that my attention span is different than when I would say I was in grad school. Maybe that's not a terrible thing. Maybe that's allowing me to deal with like this really new media environment. I do think my attention span has changed. Now I know those are just my internal vibes and feelings. I don't have a study, but this is not the same Zakia that used to sit down and read paper after paper. It's, it's not the same one. It's not. If your book is not juicy, I'm closing it. <laughs> I don't know if my attention span has changed. I think that I am just entertained by a lot more now. The way that we consume social media has changed. And so the things that are entertaining have changed. So Twitter, then Instagram, you know, we had just photos and that became something that was really exciting because it was like, okay, yeah, you can see some text and some photos. So now I want to see photos. And then it became, you can post videos. So it was like, okay, well, now I want to see a caption and I want to see a video. So I don't think my attention span has changed. I think that what entertains me has evolved as social media has evolved. Depending on the medium, if it can grab my attention and it's something that I'm interested in, I'll sit there for 10 minutes and read an article. Or I'll sit there for half an hour to watch, 
you know, something that I feel like is interesting. But some things I don't feel like need to be a half hour. Some things I think can be said in 30 seconds. Even though our attention spans may be evolving, that doesn't mean social media is bad or addictive. I would say that the number one question I get asked is like, is social media addictive? Is it destroying young people's ability to talk face to face? I am Canadian, so I'm naturally kind of optimistic. So I don't believe that social media is necessarily addictive. I think that for some people, some of the time, they use social media in a way that is not healthy for them. On the other extreme, there are people that find it to be incredibly invaluable. I think for most people, most of the time, social media doesn't have that big of an effect on their well-being. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes we have interesting things happen, but it's relatively fine. Well, that's interesting to hear because I would think that social media, for most people, most of the time, is having a big effect on their well-being. Yeah, different news, right? (laughs) This feels like something we've talked about before, where it can feel like this is something that everybody is involved in. But maybe for the majority of people who are not primarily online, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Like, the effect is only as great as the frequency of use. And if you're online, you're only seeing other people that are online. And maybe it's that same online bubble again. I feel like Mm. Dr. Hancock's take on this is very positive. Absolutely. And that feels good. Yeah, I think so. And we've also said this in other episodes, too, where you can have too much of anything. Mm -hmm. You can have too much water. You can have too much air. And those things can kill you. And so everything in moderation. And if we're considering everything in moderation, but also considering what we know to be this big boom of platforms that are available for people to partake in what's the next platform where are we headed now you know what's coming down the pipeline as it relates to social media all the trends suggest video short form video is going to be really big tiktok is just dominated it's shocking but in 2021 it was the most accessed website including google right if you're a young person and you want to learn something about covid you ain't going to google anymore you're going to tiktok now that's worrisome and crazy and you look at the other platforms meta snapchat they're following tiktok so that's a big trend people talk about the metaverse and they usually think you know mostly about vr but i think the metaverse is going to be very social you know we talked about the metaverse a little bit and i really think it's going to start to pick up steam because what folks are able to do in the metaverse is really, really interesting. And I think it's going to really change how we communicate with one another, especially in this semi post. I know Joe Biden said that the pandemic was over. I don't know if the CDC agrees, but we're in this kind of post pandemic space. And a lot of things are virtual. Imagine being able to go into the metaverse and have a conference call and you can see everyone's avatar instead of being on a Zoom call. Or you can see, you know, a 3D mock-up of a building if you're an architect and be able to walk somebody through it. I think the possibilities with the metaverse are just endless. Mm. And there's so much to think about in this new media environment. I have some friends who aren't on social media at all and some who are basically at the nicotine patch levels. They're working on quitting. But then I have others who are posting several times a day to stories. So my question is, will social media remain 
optional. I believe, at least in 2022, that you can still be an engaged citizen without having to use a lot of social media as we kind of define it around like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. So on the one hand, you can go to social media for entertainment and have a good time and post when you want. And then on the other hand, you can also use it for information gathering or to stay informed. And Dr. Hancock says that social media is also becoming more crucial for work and navigating life. I do think we have to use texting and Zoom and phones a lot. And if you don't have a a cell phone, that's a real problem. One of my former students, Amy Gonzalez, is down at UC Santa Barbara, and she studies people where it's like, do I get another SIM card for this month or do I get groceries? And there, I think, is exactly at that question that you're getting at, where like, yeah, for them, that's a real problem. Like they can't get information. How do you get to this new job interview if you can't access Google Maps? TZ, this reminds me of something you brought up in our episode about the digital divide, where people make it about like, oh, do you have the newest iPhone? Right. When really, it's like, do you have access to technology? Right. Do you have internet? Right. To be able to even get the information. Yes. And the privilege of the option to not participate in some of these social platforms. Mm-hmm. Like some people don't participate, but it's like you have the privilege to not participate because these things are available to you. Absolutely. That's not your only resource. That's not your only lifeline, right? So you don't have to be on Instagram or you don't have to be on WhatsApp because you can talk to people all these other ways. And I wonder what the future looks like if we continue down the same path without strong interventions to provide access or more equitable access for everyone. I think everything that Dr. Ann Hancock had to say was really interesting because I think going into this episode, I thought, we're about to hear a bunch of bad news, honey. Like, he's going to (laughs) say, get off Instagram, get off TikTok, get off Twitter. It's too much. You're ruining your brain. Your brain's turning mush. But what he's saying is, is that for the vast majority of us, social media ain't so bad. And it's also providing us with information and connections that we wouldn't have without it. And so it makes me feel good because then it's just something that I need to check in with myself. How am I feeling? Do I feel like scrolling on Instagram today made me feel good or did it make me feel bad? Do I need to take a little break? Rather than any amount of social media consumption is bad for me. All right, it's time for one thing. What's your one thing, Z? My one thing is another social media platform. Mm. Now, listen, if you feel like you're not getting your feel with the main players that we talked about today, I mentioned this one a little bit. It's Discord. And I first got introduced to Discord by Ann Helen Peterson. She Mm. writes this newsletter and she's been on Dope Labs when she was sharing her book, Can't Even, which is basically about burnout. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, what's this community? How does this work? And... Two other groups I follow on social media are kind of on Discord for a more engaged kind of community and sharing links. You know, I love to share links, girl. That's ATL <laughs> Friends and Moonless. And so I've been kind of dipping my toe into Discord. And so that's my one thing for the week. TT, I'm going to try to get you on Discord to join in these communities too. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for Lab 82. Tell us. What are you getting from your social media? 
Is it giving everything you need? Do you need to find a new app? Call us at 202-567-7028 and tell us what you thought. We really like hearing from you. So that's 202-567-7028. And don't forget, there's so much more for you to dig into on our website. There'll be a cheat sheet for today's lab and additional links and resources in the show notes. Plus, you can sign up for our newsletter. Check it out at dopelabspodcast.com. Special thanks to today's guest expert, Dr. Jeff Hancock. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff Hancock. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dope Labs Podcast. TT is on Twitter and Instagram at DR underscore T-S-H-O. And you can find Zakia at Z said so. Dope Labs is a Spotify original production from Mega Ohm Media Group. Our producers are Jenny Radlett-Mast and Lydia Smith of Wave Runner Studios. Our associate producer is Caro Rolando. Editing and sound design by Rob Smirziak, with additional mixing and sound design by Hannes Brown. Original music composed and produced by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura. From Spotify, creative producer Miguel Contreras. Special thanks to Shirley Ramos, Jess Borison, Teal Kratke, and Brian Marquis. Executive producers from Mega Media Group are us, Titi Shodia, and Zakia Watley. <laughs>